1: As it host today to day two of Big Ten Media Days, you can expect to hear from Ohio State head coach Ryan Day and Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford ahead on this hour edition of College Football Live. We are happy to have you with us on this Wednesday afternoon. I'm Wendy Nix with Sam Acho and Greg McElroy. It was a bit of a sea change for the Buckeyes last season, and that is where we start. Ohio State. Stepping up to the mic today in Indianapolis for day two of Big Ten media days. They saw its quest for a fifth straight conference title end after losing to Michigan for the first time since 2011. But according to our FBI, the Buckeyes' significant favorites to win the Big Ten this season. FBI also projects to have the number one offense in the country. C.J. Stroud back. His total QBR in his first year as a starter. The sophomore QB, the top contender for the Heisman, here is head coach Ryan Day.
2: I think that this uh, offseason has been excellent in terms of them installing the defense, in terms of schematics. I think our new staff has done an excellent job and almost the entire defense back. So that's exciting. So we have a little bit more experience there. But in terms of expectations, I mean, yeah, we expect a top 10 defense. I mean, that's what we want. And uh, you know, when we've played our best football, it's because we played really good defense. Every year, the expectations are high. You know, and that doesn't change, you know, based on what happened the year before. Maybe at some places 11-2 and two with a Rose Bowl victory is a good year. It isn't at Ohio State. And so our three goals are beat the team up north, uh, win the Big Ten championship, win the national championship. That's, that's the goal. Those three things didn't happen last year. We have to play really good at the beginning of the year, and we've got to play really good at the end of the year. And that's the challenge of being Ohio State. You've got to win them all. And so competitive stamina is one of the things that we've been talking about as a team.
1: Lofty goals, but of course he's right. There are lofty expectations in Columbus. Chris Lowe joins us now from Indianapolis. And, Chris, there are some who have made the argument this is uh, Ryan Day's best chance to win a national championship, his best team to date. Would you agree?
2: I think so. You're not going to find a better or more explosive offense in college football. C.J. Stroud returning, and everybody knows about who's coming back. He told me today there's guys in that receiver room that people don't know about but they will know about And I think the other layer to this is Jim Knowles and that defense. They're going to be better on defense. And, again, C.J. Stroud telling me this spring you could see it out there that it wasn't nearly as one-sided as they went against each other.
1: Well, Chris, thank you. We will talk more, of course, about this offense and that much improved defense, at least they hope, coming up. But uh, it's it's important to remember how dominant Ohio State has been under Ryan Day since he was named the permanent head coach just before – The 2019 season, under his watch, only Alabama has had a better record, and the Buckeyes have led the nation in points per game and yards per play. Going back to what Chris said, guys, about that explosive offense, and it certainly is that. Uh, The question becomes then, Sam, where is the weakness? What is the Achilles heel of this team?
3: Well, the weakness has been their defense. Last year, they were 59th in total defense. They were 100th on third down, 96th. Uh, if you talk about like things like the red zone, like they struggled mightily last year, and so when I think about the weakness, I say defense. But now that weakness could become a strength. Jim Knowles coming from Oklahoma State is now going to be the new defensive coordinator. This All you see on film is people running right through. It reminds me when I was in college. We had a coach, Will Muschamp. He said, you guys are like water. You take the easiest route. Last year, this defense was like water. They took the easiest route. They're not going to be like that this year because of Jim Knowles and his dominant defensive structure, defensive mindset, and these young players returning.
2: Well, the thing that I love, and when I, when you look at historically great teams, Ohio State's one of those, especially the last five years, they've been phenomenal. What's been the area the last two years that has certainly dipped? You look at a team in 16, 17, 18, and 19 that ranked in the top 10 in sacks defensively. They led the country in 2019. And then you look in 2020 and 2021, they dipped to 49th in 2020, 34th, in 2021, well, what does Jim Knowles do? He puts pressure on the opposing quarterback. Last year at Oklahoma State, they got pressure on 14% of the dropbacks that they faced. That's an insane number. Absolutely insane. That's when it led to a sack. And couple that with what they'll do in penetrating at the line of scrimmage by creating negative plays in the run game is also significant. So Jim Knowles has an attacking-style defense that should set up really nicely, like Sam alluded to, with a very athletic front, and a bunch of young guys that have a ton of talent. Guys that were five-star, bona fide, blue-chip recruits now having the opportunity to pin their ears back and attack. That's an exciting recipe for Ohio State Buckeye fans.
1: Yeah, Knowles' unit last season was tied with Alabama for most sacks in the FBS. And to your point, Greg, he'll have the horses and the talent to do that and perhaps then some for Ohio State. On the offensive side, C.J. Stroud, Back for the Buckeyes, his first year as Ohio State starter was a good one. He led the FBS in total QBR and ended up in New York as a Heisman finalist. He was also named the Big Ten Conference's Offensive Player of the Year, Quarterback of the Year, and Freshman of the Year. Here's his star receiver with Jen Latta. You are projected to be one of the best wide receivers in college football this year. With that comes a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations. How do you manage that and make sure you don't play outside of yourself this season?
0: Oh. Like you said, uh, I just got to, you know, sit down, be true to myself, you know, and it's not all about me. It's about the team and our one goal, and I feel like if I just focus on that and focus on, you know, getting to Week 15 in SoFi Stadium, then things will play out how they play out.
1: When you look at film from last year, is there something specifically you wanted to improve on this season?
0: Um, Yeah, I I feel like I can just make more plays. I feel like I'll be uh, bigger, faster, stronger, and just ready to accept all challenges.
1: Guys, let me put it like this, Greg. Does Ohio State have the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver trio in the country?
2: As of known commodities right this instant, without question. You look at what CJ Stroud did last year. He led the country in total QBR. That's ahead of Bryce Young, who ended up taking home the Heisman trophy. He's ready and poised, I think in the second year as a starter to take the next step. Jackson Smith and Jigba leads the country Based on returning receiver productivity, nobody had more yards per game than Jackson Smith and Jigba. He had almost 124 yards per game. And then you look at what they bring back at running back as well. With Henderson, He has so much speed, so much explosiveness, so much ability now. And with the threat of the passing game and all the weapons on the outside, you still got to account for the run game as well. That's a recipe for big numbers for all three parties. And I think right now the only one within striking distance,
3: Sam, would be Alabama, and their receiver depth is a little bit of an unknown. Well, I'll say check. Th- so check this out. So, so Ohio State is returning their best receiver. Ohio State had a guy go number ten and number eleven in the draft last year. Those two <laughs> sentences should not be in the same conversation. Jackson Smith and Jigba led Ohio State. He set records for Ohio State in receiving yards and touchdowns. He's their best receiver. So that check. Right? Quarterback C.J. Stroud. We talked about all of his accolades. Check. And people leave this out. C.J. Stroud got taken out at halftime or in the third quarter of a lot of games that they were blowing out other teams. But then I think the missing piece is Travion Henderson. We're not talking about him enough. As a freshman, he had 1,248 yards and 15 touchdowns. As a freshman, his first touch in college football last year. 10 yards. His second touch, 70-yard touchdown. So Travion Henderson at running back. And then you got C.J. Stroud at quarterback going to be a top pick. Jackson Smith and Jigba projected to be a top pick. This is hands down the best trio in college football. Now, there could be some changes, right? You get a quarterback at Texas. What happens there? We'll see what happens with the receiver and running back. But as of now, it is Ohio State hands down.
1: I tell you what, when you talk about the accolades for C.J. Stroud, it takes some time, right? You You start going down that list. You're like, we don't we don't have enough time to talk about everything he's earned so far. Listen, it can't be all work and no play, though, right? That wouldn't be fair. I don't know if you two have been following this tortilla challenge on TikTok. I have because I have teenagers, so I know all about it. So, too, by the way, does Stroud and Inchigba, and this is these two. And, I mean, they did. First of all, I was terrible. They're they, they, they already better than me, but that, that's part for the course, I think, guys. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm not I'm this tortilla no. oh, I I see people slap.
2: No, I want no part of that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I see people slap people way too hard with these tortillas. right? So I'm not like it, it'll get aggressive. People will start getting a little bit too uh, you know you might go one step too far. No tortillas for your boy.
1: No no tortillas <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, those two are tough. They can handle it. Uh, all right, so plenty more to get to If we talk about Ohio State, we got to talk about a number of other teams as well as Michigan State. Is it fair? To say, don't sleep on Sparty. What will be their follow up to a pretty good season last year? And what about Penn State? What do the Nittany Lions have to do to get over the hump? And can we expect an offensive explosion in Happy Valley? I don't know. We'll talk. to College Football Live as we continue talking season. Today, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, the site of day two of Big Ten Media Days. Let's look now at what was for Penn State. As we snap back to last season, they started on fire, jumping out to a 5-0 record, but at one point, ranked number four in the AP poll before falling to Iowa, and then there was a sea change of sorts. But the season dropped off from there Beginning with that loss in Iowa City, the Nittany Lions finished the season two and six. Think about that, after a red hot start where the only wins came against Maryland and Rutgers. Now we talk about this season. Time to talk now. Penn State lost defensive coordinator Brent Pride of Virginia Tech, but head coach James Franklin is back after signing an extension following the regular season. Sam Macho is back too, and Sam, I'm gonna start by asking you how Penn State gets over that hump and perhaps finishes the season the way they started last season.
3: Well, they need to find an offensive identity. I Look at Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford has to step up. It, but I, And I would love to say the buck stops there, but it doesn't, right? Because I think about uh, their head coach in James Franklin. James Franklin had Will Levis at Penn State. Will Levis transferred to Kentucky. Now Will Levis is being talked about as one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. So you have to be able to keep your talent, but now that you have what you have in Sean Clifford, Sean, you have to be able to step it up offensively, passing the ball downfield. Jahan Dotson isn't there anymore. I know we have some transfer running backs, some young running backs. Maybe that'll be able to find your offensive identity, but for me, uh, offense, you, you're, you, are you Ohio State or are you not, right? If you can't be Ohio State, will you be a team like Wisconsin and running the ball? Find an identity and stick to that. I think that's the formula for, for, um, for this team that we're talking about.
2: Well, a couple things. One, it starts up front. I don't care who you are, and, Sam, you can blame the quarterback what you want. You can't protect him. when he got banged up in the Iowa game, and he can't run the football. He averaged three yards of carry last year. For Penn State, Penn State, same school that has had amazing running backs for many, many years, Saquon Barkley being maybe the most recent. We've had some other good ones even since him. For them to average three yards a carry and to be 118th in college football in rushing is embarrassing. They have to be better along the line of scrimmage. It starts there. They have to be more balanced offensively. You can't put too much on Sean Clifford's shoulders. And number three, they have got to figure out a way to make sure that he stays healthy. Because you referenced Will Levis, his departure. The depth behind him is a little bit in question. And when he played the second half of the season last year with a middle, I don't know what it was, an abdominal injury, something in his ribs, something in his back, I don't know what it was but he wasn't the same player in the final weeks of the season. And you look at it from halftime of the Iowa game until the end of the Arkansas game in the Outback Bowl, it was a completely different team. So keep him healthy, keep him upright, help him out with the run game, have a playmaker emerge, and continue to develop balance within their offensive sets. That's going to go a long way in becoming a challenger back again in in the Big Ten East.
1: Three yards a carry, guys, will make for a lot of long afternoons, especially if your quarterback is at 100% healthy. If there is some good news for Penn State, it has to be about the future, although they're headed to Happy Valley now, the sixth-ranked recruiting class in 2022. Now, that class headlined by a pair of running backs in Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. They will look to add to a Penn State run game that ranked second to last in the Big Ten last year. So they're trying to address that as we say hello to our senior college football writer, Pete Thamel, who is also in Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days. And Pete, tell us a little bit more about this tandem of freshman running backs heading to Penn State. Wendy, I think Penn State can say
2: they have the best freshman running back tandem in the country. They call him Gatorade and Fat Man.
1: Gatorade is the Gatorade Player of the Year, Nick Singleton. He's an Adrian Peterson-type back who is going to come in and contribute immediately. Fat man is Catron Allen. He's 5'11", 216. He came from IMG. He's ready to play right away. They're not going to be afraid to use him in pass protection. And they really feel like at Penn State after an offensive season where they maybe tried to move the ball laterally too much, they have an improved enough offensive line that they can play smash mouth and run with these two backs
3: along with the backs returning and really establish Penn State with smash mouth north-south football.
1: thank you and again this running game needs to improve and that offense needs a bit more balance if Penn State is going to go further this season I know you'll be back with us we thank you for joining us again day two of Big Ten Media Days still to come on College Football Live Michigan State Mel Tucker and company had a heck of a year last year how do they maintain that momentum the devil's in the details when it comes to Michigan State's continued success Penn State may have some brand new running backs, some young ones, but they will have Sean Clifford back for his fourth season as starting quarterback. He's already made 33 career starts and is among the all-time leaders in Penn State history in a bevy of categories. He's speaking live now at Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis, and we take you there now.
0: Can you say it one more time Sorry. yeah I think that uh, just to, just to start off I think bar none you know we are five days away from camp and uh, you know that's the main thing right now but just to address what happened um, you know do I want to make change for college athletics and college athletes across the country absolutely I mean that's one of the things that I set out to do this offseason and I still believe that um, you know I, I'm very blessed to be in the situation to have a commissioner that's open to conversations uh, a head coach who is open to conversations and an, a new athletic director that is open to conversations um, so it's, it's it's a blessing hundred percent but realistically I'm here for Penn State Football and September 1st so um, you know definitely excited about the future but uh, here in the present I uh, I'm going to stick to uh, football questions but I I appreciate the question. Yeah, I think that those are things that I, I, I did. I stated in in my statement on Twitter um, you know obviously I'm I'm all for um, moving forward and, and helping athletes. But, uh, again, five days away from fall camp, so we're going to stick to that. You, like, to it's a big time meeting No, absolutely not. Uh, no, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so could never miss it. Go Bombers. Yeah. Yes, sir. I see myself as a leader in the locker room, first and foremost. Um, there for every single student athlete uh, that comes in contact with me because I want to make sure that I'm there for them. The same way great leaders were there for me early, you know, Trace McSorley being one of them, uh, you know, the greats of Saquon Barkley, Mike Gesicki, Chris Godwin, all those guys who were in the locker rooms before me. Um, you know, I'm just trying to, to make them proud and make them, you know, Penn State proud, which is which is a lot to live up to, which is cool. Um, but realistically, you know, I, I have a lot outside of football that I like to do, um, but it's one of those things where football is number one, and it will always be number one until I stop playing. But uh, it's, a, it's a blessing that with the landscape of college football and being able to be a part of NIL and, and just this, this new world, just to be able to, to show guys that there's more than just football, and you can do other things. Um, but like I said, five days away from camp, and I'm pretty excited about it, so yeah I think that uh everybody has to balance their life in in whatever way they do because i uh, I mean the same way you have a lot going on, same way I have a lot going on, it's just whatever you're doing in your life, you just gotta make sure that you're you're maintaining a balance, making time for family and friends, and making sure that you know, you're keeping main things, the main thing, um, main thing for me is football. Um, but you know, being a leader in the community and being a leader to other student athletes is obviously very important to me. Um, so yeah, it's just, just being who I am and being, being that guy and, and having a nice planner also just to to be able to schedule things. But, uh, realistically, I, you know, I, I don't like to not be busy. I don't like to sit in my room and just hang out. Um, I like to, to be active. I like to meet new people, and I like to, to have opportunity to, to, to talk and, and just have a good time. So, uh, you know, you got to believe in yourself to, to make, make things happen. So I believe in myself.
1: Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford he'll certainly be busy soon there's no question about that and his team rounds out their season against Michigan State who capped off the 2021 season with a come from behind win it was over the Pitt Panthers in the New Year's Six Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. MSU defeated Pitt by a final score of 31-21 they finished the year with a record of 11-2 it was quite the turnaround for Mel Tucker in year two as the Michigan State head coach here he is now from Indianapolis. Take a look, though, first at the numbers. In 2020, the Spartans went just 2-5 and five in the COVID-shortened season, struggled with turnovers, something they were able to fix in 2021. Here now, the head coach.
3: A year ago, last season, 11-2, and two, for us, it was just really a step in the right direction. But nobody cares what you did last year. We, we certainly don't. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. We have improved tremendously this out of season, you know, on the field and off the field. We are extremely hungry, extremely hungry, and we do have a chip on our shoulder. We've got a lot to prove. Uh, we have a, a very high standard of performance. And the goal for us is to win every game on our schedule. That's our stated goal. Our goal is to finish first. That's our goal. And we need to bring a championship to East Lansing.
1: Michigan State finished ninth in the final AP poll. So, Sam, finish this sentence for me. Michigan State will continue to build on last season if what?
3: If Peyton, Thorne, and Jaden Reed become a top quarterback receiver tandem, not only in the Big Ten, but in college football. Last year, Peyton Thorne threw for over 3,000 yards and 27 touchdowns. Jaden Reed, a guy who he grew up with. They knew each other from Naperville, Illinois. Jaden Reed had over 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns as well. Yes, we talk about Kenneth Walker III all we want. He's in the NFL now. Now you have this wide receiver quarterback combination that I'm excited to watch grow even more. I understand that Michigan State has new horses in the stable, if you will, but I'm more excited about what Peyton Thor is going to do, not only in the Big Ten, but across the landscape of college football.
2: I like their aerial attack, but let's not get away from what got them to that point last year, and that's the ground and pound attack up front. They have a good solid nucleus returning along the offensive line. And much like last year, let's go to the transfer portal. Worked out with Kenneth Walker. Let's now bring in two for the price of one. Let's see if we can't go get Jared Broussard from Colorado, who just two years ago was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. And then you want to go and add Jalen Berger, who's got Big Ten experience coming down from Wisconsin. So if they can adequately replace Kenneth Walker's production with a one-two punch at running back, that would be huge. And then the last thing they have to do, they have to get better. Well, the good news is they can't get worse. They have to be better in the back seven defensively. They finished dead last. Last year in college football in yards per game given up through the year. Now, part of that is because they faced Western Kentucky, Purdue, and Ohio State, yep. three teams that love to air it out. So those numbers are a little inflated. But you got to be better in the back end, and you have to be better rushing the passer. Those things combined with a great one-two punch at running back and a great passing attack potentially – could be a real nice recipe for the Spartans this year.
1: All right, you set me up perfectly. Here's the segue, because as you mentioned, uh, they were the beneficiary of transfers last year. You talked about Kenneth Walker. He came over from Wake Forest. So again, we talked about it. They have another group of transfers coming back, including a pair of running backs, Jarek Bussard from Colorado and Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. And you said, Greg, they'll need a Kenneth Walker-type impact. But I'll ask you this. Is it one? Is it both? Who is it? Where's the opportunity there?
2: Well, I think it doesn't necessarily, at least in the early going, you don't have to decide who's your horse. Like, use them both. I mean, this is a very physical league that prides itself. Last year, the Big Ten, by far and away, the best league in the country against the run. So the likelihood of Broussard maybe getting a little dinged up at some point, the likelihood of Berger getting a little dinged up is very, very probable. So those two guys being able to take the load off of one another. Berger and Broussard, a little different from that of what Kenneth Walker was. Both have game-breaking speed, not quite as big, don't run quite as north-south as what Kenneth Walker did last year. So it'll be interesting to see if they change and adjust just a little bit to see if maybe there's a little more wiggle and a little bit more on the perimeter as compared to who they were a year ago.
1: I would agree. It doesn't have to be one. It's a long season. It can be a war of attrition at certain points uh, for just about every team. Again, day two of Big Ten media days, and that today also featured Wisconsin. Let's switch gears for just a little bit. Talk about quarterback Graham Mertz. He is looking to bounce back from a bit of a difficult 2021 season. He ranked ninth in the Big Ten in QBR through more interceptions than he did touchdowns for the Badgers, something, of course, he'll try and reverse this season. Here is the Wisconsin quarterback you have talked about wanting to improve your decision making specifically how do you do that in the off season
3: yeah it's it's definitely fun it's it's a challenging thing to kind of replicate but it's for me it's it's watching tape and then uh, going out on the field and translating it with footwork and one thing you can do that, that I've kind of messed around with, it's like my own version of VR, but it's uh, you go in the meeting room, move the tables, and you kind of you got the little cowboy clicker, and you're uh, kind of standing there doing your drop and just working through plays and working through progressions. But for me, you can do that with uh, a ton of film study, too.
1: Greg, let's talk about realistic expectations for Graham Merce this season.
2: Well, sky's the limit as far as talent's concerned, but talent's only a piece of the equation. He's got to make better decisions. He just talked about it there, but the guy that can help him do that is Bobby Ingram. He's the new offensive coordinator. He comes over from the Baltimore Ravens, and with his style of attack, he's a former, by the way, former NFL wide receiver, so who do you think he's going to feature? He'll feature the run game. He's not crazy. It's Wisconsin, after all, but you also got to think he's going to spread the field a little bit more and make it easier on Graham Mertz. Sometimes the way they operated from condensed formations, that can muddy things up for a quarterback's vision. But when you spread guys out, you force defenders to cover more space, it becomes a little bit easier to pick and choose where you're going to go with the football. So I think Graham Mertz has to make better decisions, but I also think his new offensive coordinator, Bobby Ingram, will go a long way in setting him up for success
3: by making the picture a little bit more clear when it comes to that decision-making process. And it'll be interesting to see how that transition goes, right? Because understand, we all understand that Braylon Allen is one of the best backs in the country, and he's in that backfield. So you do want to feature the run, But I need to see Graham Mertz play better in bigger games. We talk about the touchdown-interception ratio uh, not only over the year, but also in big games. And so what happens is, as a defensive guy, you know that this offense is a running offense. If you can take away the run, you say, okay, let's force Graham Mertz to beat us with his arm. That hasn't happened yet. And so if you can make that transition this year, if you're a a defense that can actually stop the run, and Graham Mertz can actually beat teams with his arms with this new offensive coordinator then you'll see this exciting new offense that Greg's talking about
1: all right Wisconsin has finished the season unranked in three of the last four years a critical year perhaps for not only Graham Mertz but for this Badgers team you know what guys no matter where you go you've got to be aware of roadblocks and the road to a national championship championship can have its fair share of potholes hear how your team can steer clear of trouble when we come back The NFL's Back Together Saturday, happening again with all 32 NFL teams practicing at their individual training campsites. We'll have coverage from every single one from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on ESPN, from 1 to 3 Eastern on ABC. It's Back Together Saturday, also available on the ESPN app and the NFL Network. Back to college football, though. There are only three teams projected to win 11 games this season. Georgia, the defending champions, Alabama – And Ohio State. And we'll start and look at the schedules and see, guys, where there are some potential potholes because you know if you're going to do this, you can't trip up. And we'll start with the defending champions. Greg, where do you see a potential hazard, if you will, when you look at their schedule?
2: I think there's two big hurdles, and I think they're early. They'll be breaking in some young pieces. Oregon in week one will be a challenging game. Why? Because Oregon's got nothing to lose. How different is it? Then a year ago, when Oregon went to Columbus, Ohio as a two-touchdown underdog and beat the Buckeyes convincingly in their own backyard. That game, coupled with the game to South Carolina in Week 3, that will be the Gamecock Super Bowl. Remember, South Carolina's an improved roster. They overachieved in Year 1 under Shane Beamer. They've now added Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma in the transfer portal. They have some weapons on the outside and should make some improvements on defense. And that will be their Super Bowl. That's a weird rivalry anyway. So those are the two games that would scare me
3: early if I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. And for me, I would go, I'm looking at the Alabama schedule, right? So Alabama's another team that we're looking at with potential potholes. And so Alabama, obviously, they're returning Bryce Young, returning Will Anderson. But what I get scared about, it's not the A&M game on October 8th. It's the Arkansas game on October 1st. We all know that the tensions are going to be high in that AM, the rivalry that already is there between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, all the conversation. But there's a game the week before. Sam Pittman, he feels like he's building a beast at Arkansas. KJ Jefferson at quarterback. That could be a game to be a potential pothole, something that trips you up that you weren't expecting before that AM game on October 8th. I like that
2: game. Arkansas played them well last year, so I think their antenna will be up for it. That game came down to the wire in the fourth quarter, and Arkansas backed up, had a chance to make a drive to potentially steal it. The two games that scare me if I'm a Bama fan. One, on the road at Texas, shockingly enough. Why? Because Steve Sarkisian's familiarity with the defense. And that's really kind of an unknown. Like Who knows what Texas is going to be? They could be amazing. Quinn Ewers could be amazing. Bijan Robinson already is, and the pieces that they added in the portal on the defensive side and at wide receiver might be able to take some of the pressure off Xavier Worthy. Like that offense could be a little scary, and if you're breaking in a couple pieces defensively, I think Steve Sarkeesian might have the firepower to take advantage of it. The other one would be Tennessee. They played him into the fourth quarter, if not for a couple self inflicted, that game would have been a little bit more, I think, contested in the fourth quarter. In the game after AM, you know that's going to be a
3: gauntlet like you referenced, Sam. That Tennessee game dangerous on the road in Neyland. Yeah, and I'm with you, especially early on. So week two, right? You're September 8th uh, at Texas, right? So it's, there are so many unknowns. We know who Bijan Robinson is, the best or one of the best running backs in the nation. Xavier Worthy, one of the best receivers in the nation. But Quinn Ewers could be that dude. And so Alabama, September 10th, excuse me, at Texas. Yes, the Steve Sarkeesian piece matters. <laughs> but also this could be the year. It's Sark's second year. This could be the year that Texas puts it together, and they have their eyes uh, lined up on that game playing Alabama. Texas coming into the SEC. Last year, their SEC introduction in Alabama, they gave up over 300 rushing yards. So they're going to be ready. Excuse me, I said Alabama. Arkansas, when they played Arkansas, they gave over, over 300 yards. So they're going to be ready for this new, if you will, introduction into the SEC.
1: Yeah, listen, I'm on record as saying I think Texas will be better than we think and, and likely much improved. And if that's the case, Alabama better be ready and be buttoned up. But, of course, uh, that's, uh, that's what they do. We got 11, uh, again, three teams predicted to win 11 games. The third we haven't touched on, Ohio State. Where could they find trouble, Greg?
2: It's not going to be in the obvious places to me. I think you look at, at a game like at Michigan State or at Penn State, those, those are obvious. The most dangerous game to me is at Maryland. We've seen it before, okay? We've seen a Dwayne Haskins-led Buckeye team go to College Park in the end of November, looking ahead, knowing, hey, we want to get revenge on the team up north. Well, what happens? You go into a place with an explosive offense and you lay an egg? And I believe that day, Anthony McFarland, the running back for Maryland, had 160 yards on his first two carries for two touchdowns. That game came down to a two-point conversion attempt at the very end where Terrell Pigrom just missed the wide-open receiver for the Terps where they could have pulled off the massive upset. So that game at Maryland, sandwiched between a couple sleepwalk games at Northwestern against Indiana right before you go to Michigan, that game at
3: Maryland's real, real interesting to me. You see, I'm more interested about the, the game that you said that they are circling on their calendar, right? November 26, Michigan. So I think that Ohio State is going to uh, essentially like walk through their, their schedule. I think obviously Notre Dame, you have to be alert for that, but Notre Dame is trying to figure out what they're going to do. Ohio State is trying to win a championship. I'm not worried about many of these teams on this roster, but that Michigan game, that Michigan game, yes, the blood is kind of boiling from the loss last year, But J.J. McCarthy could be a lot better. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, we know what he was able to do last year. That game, I call it a pothole because if you lose that game, last game of the regular season, before whenever the playoff rankings come out, that could really, really hurt and derail your opportunity.
1: Well, and you heard Ryan Day talking earlier. He basically said anything short of a national title. And, of course, beating Michigan means they've failed. The season's a failure in Columbus. Uh, what a game that will be, and you talked about Notre Dame. Ohio State opens its season against the Irish College. Game day will be there in Columbus. Talk about college football. Columbus, Ohio, September 3rd. Ohio State and Notre Dame, a 7:30 kick on ABC. Still to come, the best of the rest in the Big Ten. From the best O-line to the most underrated player, our preseason superlatives are on deck. Thursday night, ESPN Films' seven-part docu-series, The Captain, continues episodes three and four, the unprecedented look into Derek Jeter's life and career on and off the baseball field, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, on ESPN and ESPN+. And if you missed part one or two, you can always catch them on ESPN+, Plus whenever you want. Meanwhile, Maryland quarterback Talia Tungavailoa ranked second in the Big Ten in passing yards. This was after transferring from Alabama and returning with his old offensive coordinator, Mike Loxley. Here's what Loxley had to say about him yesterday.
0: I don't think there's a more underrated player in the country than Talia Tungavailoa, and I'll continue to say it as he's a guy that has really been the catalyst to making us go on offense. If there was a, one area we wanted to see him improve in, it's just the emotional maturity, and we've seen that out of Talia.
1: Again, another ideal segue as we hand out some superlative Sam, uh, forget we got the Big Ten today, I understand that, but we're going to cast the net just a bit wider. The most underrated player in the country. Who say you?
3: I'll, I'll go s- – I'll go Sam Hartman on this one. So Sam Hartman, Wake Forest quarterback, threw for over 4,200 yards last year. That was seventh in the nation and and 39 touchdowns, which was fifth in the nation. We all talk about the claw fence. Dave Clawson, right? The head coach uh, and his, his, his amazing style of offense. But Sam Hartman was outstanding. And so for me, like, he's part of the reason why Dave Clausen won ACC Coach of the Year last year. And I don't think he gets enough credit for how he runs that offense. So I'm going Sam Hartman, most underrated player this year.
2: I'm actually copping out. Uh, I'm going to go with a winner (laughs) of a quarterback competition. And that's the TCU Horned Frogs. I don't care who it is. It can be Max Duggan who started 29 games and has beat Texas twice, or it could be Chandler Morris, who last year totaled 531 total yards and three touchdowns against the Baylor Bears, the team that went on to have not just a great defense but win the Big 12 outright. Couple that with the fact that you have Sonny Dykes coming over from SMU, whose list is about as accomplished as it gets when it comes to teaching quarterbacks and kind of making a game easier on the quarterback position, whether it's Shane Buchel or Jared Goff or Nick Foles, you name it, he's done a great job utilizing quarterback skill set to put up big numbers and to usually overachieve in their first year in the system. So I am very optimistic about TCU and think whoever wins that quarterback competition is poised to have a massive year.
1: I think that's less of a cop-out than it is a creative approach, okay, Greg? So we'll allow it here <laughs> in the preseason uh, we'll, we'll go back now to just the Big Ten, the most important player in the Big Ten, Greg.
2: To me, it's Sean Clifford, and we, and we talked about it a little earlier. It'd be easy for me to say Jackson Smith and Jigba or C.J. Stroud, but I actually think that Sean Clifford and his health, given Penn State's struggles running the football, given the fact that his running back room might be two freshmen, uh, he's just going to have to shoulder a massive load. And when you look at what Penn State's opportunities are and what he's done in the past when being at 100%, this team is ridiculously dangerous and they host Ohio State. It's not going to be an easy game for the Buckeyes when they go to the whiteout and play against Penn State in Happy Valley. So you know that if Sean Clifford can somehow match the consistency and performance that he had in the first four or five games of last year, Penn State can beat anybody, not just in the Big Ten, but in all of college football. So yes, he's going to have to play incredible football. But honestly, if he plays incredible football, it could mean a little bit of an upheaval when it comes to addressing the pecking order there in the Big Ten from top to bottom.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with J.J. McCarthy on this one. So another quarterback competition, him and Cade McNamara. Cade McNamara was able to play outstanding last year. But J.J. McCarthy, who was a true freshman last year, he showed up. In big moments, he showed up uh, at Ohio State. He had big moments. He made some big plays and also had some freshman mistakes. He has a huge arm, but it's his athleticism that stands out to me the most. If he wins this quarterback competition, or better yet, let's say he doesn't, but he's used in big moments like he was last year, Michigan could find a way to uh, be dynamic again this year, even though they've lost some weapons.
1: All right, a lot of talk about quarterback, guys. But that's that's the way it rolls, especially when we have Greg McElroy around. That's just sort of how it works. Uh, To be continued. Uh, Again, Big Ten Media Days wrapping up today. Doesn't mean talking season is over. Uh, you got to wonder what kind of reception USC and UCLA will get when the Pac-12 holds media days. We'll look ahead right after this.
3: Now what? Give him the signal. What signal? Flash your lights, let him know that it's on. What's on? The deal. Coach, just do something. Fine. See? All right, let's go. (laughs) All-American tight end fell down. All right, give us the uniform. Throw us the bag, then you get the uniform. First of all, good morning, but who are you guys? Mr. Golick. Mike Golick. Golicks, it's a pleasure to meet you guys. I'm Isaiah Foskey, but we would like to see the uniform to verify that you guys have it before we hand over the bag, if that's cool with you guys. Yeah, Isaiah, that is cool. Now throw us the bag. All right, throw him the bag, Fosky. Ah! Here's your uniform. Is this some type of joke? This is not the uniform. What you talking about, Willis? That uniform won a national championship. I'm sorry, sir, but this is not the uniform we're playing in. The uniform we're looking for is white. Hey, Golings! you gave us the wrong jersey. Not our problem. And Marcus. (laughs) Maybe you should talk to Doug. (laughs) What are we going to do now? We need that white uniform. Who's Doug? I know exactly where it's at. Let's go. (sighs) It's gotta be somewhere out here, man. I found it! Oh yeah! Ooh, The icy white with the gold trims? <laughs> let's go! Oh, it's nice. Let's go. Oh, that's nice! <laughs> We're the three best <laughs> friends uh, that anyone, anyone can, can have. have! We're the three do- best oh. friends! <laughs> I'm not your best friend. I'm your head coach. <laughs> <laughs> We're the two <laughs> best friends <laughs> that anyone can have! You still We're hanging two- out with us, coach? Oh, let's hang out! Ah. <laughs>
1: you don't give an A forever. I mean, there's a uniform reveal and that is a uniform reveal. And who doesn't love The Hangover? Uh, Well done, uh, gentlemen. I don't know if they got acting in their future. Go ahead, Sam.
3: Wendy. Can I watch the rest? Number one, I think I need to go to Notre Dame. I need to get some more eligibility, <laughs> go back to Notre Dame. Right. Number two, can I watch the rest? I mean, I was dialed in from beginning to end. Is that the trailer? <laughs> if that's the trailer, give me the rest of it. I'll go to the movies. Give me one day. Forget all these other I want to go watch that. And so amazing, amazing, amazing. I'm still waiting for part two.
1: I mean, that was a I just that think that it's so funny deal, because there's, there's
2: been a long narrative. It was amazing. There's been a long narrative. Like, is Notre Dame cool? Notre Dame is cool, man. Like Notre Dame has been cool. Right? It's different now. Like It's not your granddad's Notre Dame team. Like This is a new version. Now, Now, don't get me started with the uniforms. Don't change the uniforms.
1: All right, All right You right, don't right, mess right, with perfect on,
2: hold on, hold Notre on, Dame's uniforms. Hold on, on, Greg. I know. I'm sorry. Hold but on, listen, hold
1: This on, is hold Notre on, Greg.
2: Dame at BYU at Allegiance
1: Stadium. October 8th, no. it will be in Las Vegas, of course, because that's where the Raiders play. Uh, we don't like them. We like them. What's the deal?
3: No, Greg. Greg. These uniforms are fire number 1. Number 2, Notre Dame has not been cool, but they are cool now now that Marcus Freeman is there. And number 3, I say I get it. Don't change uniforms unless it's going to look like that. If the uniforms are going to look like that, change the uniforms. That's amazing. I, I want to see more. I need I need more. Give me more.
1: Yeah. And, and it's going to do like I can live with it. like that, I'm for it. As
3: long as as long as
2: they're not wearing like some logo on the side of their helmet, like you don't, all right, fine. If you want to change the uniforms, I can live with that. Great. You start messing with the helmet, we're fighting. Like, we're
3: fighting. You don't touch the helmet. Dude. Imagine I, that's like sacred well, yeah, to Alabama. Imagine if Alabama had a fire helmet like that. Imagine if Alabama did a uniform reveal. You would be hyped too. Don't front on, on national TV. You would be hyped too.
1: Not, not only that, I want to see Nick Saban in a remake of The Hangover, all right? Sign me up, okay? I'm there for it all day long. Uh, we've got one more conference in terms of the Power Five group to make uh, media days happen. They wrap up on Friday with the Pac-12. All eyes will be on the two schools leaving the conference eventually. USC, UCLA, of course, uh, eventually headed to the Big Ten. Right now, though, uh, Greg, they are in the Pac-12. What kind of reception do you think they get tomorrow?
2: I can promise you there will be no love lost between anyone associated with USC and UCLA and the Pac-12 tomorrow. I think it will be bitter. I think there could be fireworks. I expect a united front, at least in the near term. But George Klyovkov will have a couple tricks up his sleeve, I would imagine.
3: Hey, I feel that, but I will say this. The Big Ten is going to be giving a standing ovation to USC and UCLA. Why? Because their pockets are getting fatter. The revenue will increase when these new deals come up. So it'll be one bad reception, but one welcome one.
1: What, what do they say? One's man, one man's trash is another man's treasure. So we're going to go from one to the other. On College Football Live back with you tomorrow at 4.30. We'll look forward to talking about it. Then have a great day, everybody. We will see you on Thursday.